0: Lifeway leadership. LifeWay leadership Podcast Network. Hey, Ask Me Anything, friends. Before we jump into the question for today, I wanted to tell you about something our friends at PortableChurch.com, some things they're offering uh, that I think for a lot of you could be really helpful. You know, it's well known that planting new churches and campuses, it really is the most effective way of reaching the lost. Uh, to a much higher percentage Of lost people that come to a new campus or a new church. And we also know that launching in rented venues like schools and theaters is one of the most cost-effective ways to launch a new church. If you're planning a launch or you're trying to figure out how to do church well in a rented venue, I would encourage you to check out our friends at Portable Church. That team over there is very well experienced. They've helped a lot of churches of, of different sizes. They're able to take your vision and create an engaging environment that will not only serve your production needs, but also help your volunteer retention stay pretty high and get you where you can spend more energy not on setting up chairs, but on on actual ministry. So go to portablechurch.com slash Lifeway where you can learn more and find free customized resources that will teach you how to launch both portable and strong. And now I hope you enjoy Ask Me Anything.
1: Welcome to Ask Me Anything with JD Greer, and today we actually have, uh, for the first time ever, uh, someone else. So this is why we didn't, we didn't name the podcast Ask JD Anything for just moments like this.
0: Just the fore, the forethought that went into that, the foresight. I've got to commend you, Matt. It's impressive, even though you had nothing to do. <laughs> even with
1: though it. I wasn't here when it started. <laughs> but today we have a, a really special guest, Brian Fickert. He is the author of When Helping Hurts.
0: One of the most important. M- books to read if you were going to engage in any kind of missions locally or globally. A hundred
1: percent. And actually the author of a new book that kind of builds on the ideas of When Helping Hurts called Becoming Whole. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a professor at Covenant College, and he is the founder and president of the Chalmers Center at Covenant College which is a church-equipping organization that tries to help churches walk amongst the poor in ways that are more effective. And so we're really excited to have him here. Like I say, he's the first guest. He's also the tallest person, I think, that's ever been in this office, (laughs) potentially 6'10". That is true. So this is, this is exciting for a lot of reasons. I finally
0: am able to get some books off the top of my shelf that yeah, I, haven't, I haven't been great. able to get yet. So he's been, There's
1: a lot of dust up there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, we're really, really glad that you're able to join us and, and talk a little bit. And so, you know, because you're a guest, we wanted to, to give you kind of a, a little bit of a softball question. All right. So the question we want to ask is, is missions just Western
2: imperialism? Yeah, that's not a very easy question, guys. How about something (laughs) a lot easier, like, you know,
1: who's Jesus or something?
2: (laughs) Is missions just Western imperialism? Well, clearly the answer is no, right? I mean, the gospel isn't just for the West. The gospel uh, didn't originate in the West, and so to the extent that missions is spreading the gospel, it's not Western imperialism. That having been said, I do think that the evangelical church's truncated understanding of Mm -hmm. the gospel— has often resulted in a syncretism, a mixing between the biblical message and that of Western civilization. So at times, I do believe the missions movement does export not just the gospel,
0: but Western
2: culture. That's really interesting.
0: One of the things you say in in, in Becoming Whole is you talk about the American dream being something that it's a story that we're telling, and it's the wrong story. Mm. Now, let me just play devil's advocate for a minute, because usually that's Matt on this, and and I have to be there. But, you know, I mean, we, we love... Parts of the American dream, right? I mean, the fact of opportunity and, and and prosperity. But why do you say that is so harmful when it comes to missions, and how do, how, how do good missions avoid that?
2: That's a great question. You know, I should preface this by saying I'm an economist, okay? And so <laughs> oh, I <wow>. love economics, <laughs> and I love Western economics. I mean, the truth of the matter is, in the past 30 years— Uh, global poverty has been reduced by about 50%. It's one of the greatest achievements Mm. in all of human history. Think of that. In 30 years, the global poverty rate has come down by 50%, and it's largely because of the spread of Western-style capitalism. Mm. So we don't want to miss that. The Mm. the truth of the matter is, poverty is plummeting, and it's not primarily because of missions. It's not primarily because of NGOs. It's because of the spread of markets from Mm. the West to the rest of the world. It's an amazing accomplishment. But stop and think for a second. I think most of our listeners have a sense that something's gone deeply Mm. wrong in America. Can't we feel it? Even though our incomes and our wealth have gone up, families are falling apart, communities are fragmented, the political process is breaking down, loneliness is skyrocketing, Mm. the self-reported happiness of the average American is actually declining, Mm. uh, mental illness is exploding, And so there's something that's gone wrong despite our increasing incomes and wealth, despite the fact that to some degree we've achieved the American dream, we've got the stuff, we're not actually flourishing. And what's so interesting is that as we're spreading Western-style capitalism, economic growth is increasing around the world, but we're also starting to see the same kinds of things we're seeing in America. Even in places like China and India where growth is happening— Self-reported happiness declining, hmm. mental illness skyrocketing. So there's something wrong with the way we're doing capitalism here. There's something wrong with how it's expressing itself that we've got to look at. That's hmm. really good. So
1: I have a I have a quick question. I think when you, when you talk about this in the in becoming whole, just this idea of like engaging the whole person, which mm-hmm. I thought was really really interesting. And I think you kind of make a, a a really compelling case for how we've kind of split the whole person apart when we do mission. So just kind of explain what do you mean by the whole person and and what have we done and what do we need to start doing?
2: So ask yourself, what is the good life? What does human flourishing really look like? Well, as an economist, I've been taught a certain understanding of what the good life is. It Mm -hmm. comes down to really the anthropology, the nature of the human being, the way that economists conceive of that person economists in Western civilization tend to say the human being is fundamentally a material being. We are autonomous material creatures. And so human flourishing looks like having more stuff, greater income. So how do you get there? Economic growth. And so that's kind of the story of Western civilization. Make institutions that make our economy grow, we'll have more income, we can buy more stuff, we'll flourish. It's not working that well. Hmm. And what what the Western church has done, and I don't claim this, this since it's unique to me, it certainly isn't. What the Western church has done is basically adopted what some people call an evangelical Gnosticism. You know, Gnosticism is this ancient heresy that the body and the soul are separable and that the soul is what really matters. The material isn't really the real thing. The soul is what really matters. I think that the evangelical church has made that mistake. We've kind of said, you know, the story of the human being is fundamentally and solely material is wrong— Let's kind of tack on this idea of the soul that we get in the Bible, but that soul is kind of disembodied. And so you can kind of think of it this way. Many of us, our concept of the the human being is that the the body is kind of like a glass and the soul is kind of like water we pour into that glass. You can kind of pour it out. And so the body is like a container for the soul. You can pour the thing out, but they're not actually integrated. So what's happening to the body doesn't affect the soul. Mm. What's happening to the soul doesn't affect the body. They're separable. And this is kind of the image we have of, of what happens after we die, right? We die, and our bodies go on the ground. Our souls kind of get beamed up into heaven, and they kind of float around like Casper the Friendly Ghost for all eternity. <laughs> There's this kind of separable notion of the human being. The material world doesn't really matter. It's the spiritual that really matters. And the Bible actually gives us a different vision of the human being. Hmm. The body and the soul are highly integrated. It's, no analogy is perfect, but instead of like a cup holding water, think of it more like a sponge— that absorbs water, Yeah, that the soul and the body are highly intermingled, and there's a further step we've gotta make. The human being is deeply wired in the image of our creator. God Almighty is three in one. God is inherently a relational being, and the human being is wired for relationship as well. And so the human being is a body, soul, relational creature. And that understanding shapes our notions of human flourishing, both for the poor and for ourselves.
0: Let, let me make this really practical for um, for a ministry leader, or for a pastor, or for just for a, you know somebody that's in a church and is like, I'm concerned about what's going on around the world. I, every morning, um, as part of my time with God, I use the Joshua Project as a Terrific. an app to pray through the unreached people groups, and almost all of them are like, you know, they they have no access to the gospel, and they also it seems like for every one of them, it's poverty is is crippling. And so I'm somebody that wants to do something to get involved, wants to make a difference. Based on the ideas that you're putting forward and becoming whole and when helping hurts, what what do I do? What's my best action step? That's a great
2: question. The first thing we've got to do is have a clear sense of what does human flourishing actually look like? Most of us implicitly believe that human flourishing is to kind of get our souls to heaven and live our best life now. It's get our souls beamed up for all eternity and to live the American dream right now. But guys, it's not working. The same rise in mental illness that's present in the American population as a whole is present for evangelical Christians in the United States. And so we're not flourishing—there's a better story to live out. Hmm. So the goal isn't to turn Uganda into the United States. Yeah. The goal isn't to turn low-income communities into the wealthy suburbs. The goal is for all of those places to look like the new Jerusalem. Hmm. There's a different notion of human flourishing. So what does that all mean? You've got to read the book. But but the <laughs> bottom the bottom line is this. The bottom line is this. Don't assume when you go and work you know, with an unreached people group that the goal is to make them just like you and me. That's not the goal. We're not doing that great. Hmm. It's a different end game. Is to dwell in the presence of God Almighty, to live in relationship with Him, with ourselves, with others, and the rest of creation. It's a different notion of human flourishing. And so uh, it has all kinds of practical implications. Mm -hmm. Community becomes more important than most of us think it is in the West. Service, giving becomes more important than most of us think Mm -hmm. in the West. It's it's being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, not to the image of the Americans.
0: It, you know, yeah. you saying that reminds me of something that um, I remember. One of the most helpful takeaways from When Helping Hurts that you repeat again in, in a different form and Becoming Whole was that, let's just call it unhealthy missions, goes into a group of people and says, what are your needs? Mm-hmm. I have the answer, mm-hmm. right? And I can make you more like me. Whereas healthy missions goes in and says, what are your assets? Mm-hmm. How has God shaped this community and how can I be a, a part?" a catalyst to help you find the flourishing that God has intended for you with all the things that go into the body of Christ.
2: That's it. You know, that the, what the biblical narrative is, is that human flourishing is to be a priest king. Adam and Eve were created to dwell in the garden temple of Eden and to fulfill their callings as priests and as kings. As priests, they were to lead all of creation to worship of God Almighty. As kings, they were to uh, be co-rulers with God himself in his creation. That's the goal for you, the goal for me is the goal for that woman who's walking into your church asking for help with her electric bill. The goal is for her to be a priest king, which means using her gifts and abilities in service and in worship to God Almighty and to our neighbors. And so as we work amongst the poor, that's the end game we're trying to get to, and that shapes everything we're doing. And suddenly it's not about, what do you need? How can I fix you? Suddenly it's about what gifts and abilities do you have? Yeah. How can you live more until you're calling as a priest king with those gifts and abilities? And that shapes it. all the things we're going to do as we work with that person. Yeah, that's
1: that's really good. good. So I just want a, a kind of last question. We have a, a lot of people listen to this podcast. Some of them are, are church leaders, and they're trying to figure out how do we as church leaders engage this? Um, how do we set up our missions and local outreach in a way that does this well? And some people are, are members of churches that are trying to say, I just, with my life, I want to engage this issue. So what would you say to those two groups as kind of a next step?
2: Well, uh, the first step for the church leader is kind of a tough one. Hmm. I, I would encourage the church leaders to go and poll 10 people in their congregation and ask them the following question, why did Jesus come to earth? Hmm. Why did Jesus come to earth? It's the center of the gospel. And what most of our church leaders are going to hear, evangelical churches, is that Jesus came to die on the cross to save me from my sins. I don't have to be punished eternally. And that's all true. Mm. uh, Listeners, relax. It's all true, okay? (laughs) Romans 3.23 says, we've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. That's all true. But when we reduce the gospel to its legal dimensions, Mm. We miss the fullness of the gospel. Yeah. Jesus says in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, I've come to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. That's why I was sent. The kingdom of God is the bringing of justice and shalom and peace as far as the curse is found. It's a bigger message, it's a bigger mission. And the fact that almost nobody in our pews knows that that's why Jesus was sent to earth is a huge problem. It affects every dimension of our lives. The reason that we default the American dream is we don't have a better story. Mm. We don't have the story of the kingdom of God that shapes our lives every day. So we, 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 we come to Christ, our souls are secure, then the alarm clock goes off on Monday morning. What do we do? We don't have a story. We haven't given a story to our parishioners that says Christ is about his kingdom. And he's called you to live into that kingdom, into that story 24-7. That should shape every aspect of your lives. Without that story, we default to the American dream. It's killing our parishioners. It's killing our churches. My message to the person in the pew is the same one. Why did Jesus come to earth? Press into that story. I believe the gospel is bigger and Jesus is bigger than most of us understand. He's mm. more. There's more here for us. That's really, really good. You got Matt's
0: attention because you mentioned one of his favorite books, Your Best Life Now. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but he's got in Alabama, uh, Auburn. let be Al- very, Auburn, very sorry, there. sorry, sorry. I'm from That's I'm from the north. It's all the same.
1: To brother. <laughs> well, thank you so much for for coming and talking with us. Um, we would just encourage everybody listening to to go uh, pick up Becoming Whole. Me and JD have both read it, and I, I, we would both say really, really helpful. Great continuation of a lot of the helpful themes of When Helping Hurts. Yep, and, and just. just... Just really a good mix of of practical and and, uh, theory and theology is really, really helpful. And so we would definitely encourage you to go pick that up. So we got to talk about the podcast that you should be listening to. Why? Because they're Lifeway Leadership podcasts And Lifeway Leadership podcasts are by definition amazing. Awesome. And you should listen to all of them. And so the one we wanted to actually talk about today is the One Thing Podcast with Scott Sanders and Derek Hanna. Uh, Great podcast. They cover things like handing off ministries, knowing when to say goodbye, growth barriers. uh, Really, really, really helpful stuff. Uh, So just look up The One Thing on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Thank you to Brian for being here, and we will see you next time on Ask Me Anything.
0: Thanks, Brian. Thanks so much.